Welcome, folks, to another edition of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson, one half of your hosting team this week. Joined with me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? What's rocking? What's keeping? What's popping? What's what's popping? <laughs> Took me back for a second. I'm hip. I'm with it. Duck, duck, no. duck. 2020, <laughs> you just reset everything that's cool because just everything got wiped out. So yep. you start your your brain starts reverting back to when you were like 24. <laughs> so everything's tubular. Everything's uh, <laughs> everything's hella then. cool. Hella cool. I love it. I love it. Um, ben, so let's raise I, the roof. Yeah, exactly. Um, really glad to be talking with you. It feels yeah. like it's been too long, even though it's been like a week, but you know, it's a lot, lots happened. It's been a busy couple of weeks. Um, yeah. holidays are busy. It's, it's craziness, but really glad to be doing this podcast with you folks. If this is the first time you listen to this podcast, what Ben and I like to do is talk about things that have sprung up that are interesting, that are entertaining, uh, in all forms of entertainment, whether it's movies, film, uh, you know, TV, books, food, music. I mean, whatever it may be, uh, that's keeping you occupied. We like to talk about it on this podcast. But the kicker is, I have no idea what Ben's bringing to the table this week, and he has no idea what I, I've got on my list. Uh, and very rarely do we have uh, repeats. So this is going to be interesting, uh, spontaneous, genuine conversation that you're going to be able to uh, hear from us. But Ben, why don't you kick us off, my friend? What do you got this week? All right, Chris. All right. First of all, big news coming out of this week on Friday, Netflix. Uh, one of my movies of the year, Mank. Came out. Yes. David Fincher movie written by Jack Fincher, his late deceased father. Um, kind of like a kind of heartfelt project from David Fincher, something that he's wanted he's wanted to do for a long, long time. Uh, and finally he has the outlet in Netflix. Uh this movie. Chris, did you have the opportunity to see this movie? No, not okay. yet. But it All looks right. bonkers. Don't let me don't let that spoil what you're gonna say. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like a spoil-free movie. It's not like one of those movies, like, and then he dies. It's not like <laughs> it's not like one of those things. Like, Whoa. it's based on a true story, right? So it's like we all yeah, know yeah. Yeah, what happens right. anyway. So yeah. right. So uh, the gist of the movie is is Herman Mankiewicz is um, a co-writer of Citizen Kane with um, Orson Welles, and it is about. Um, I don't know. It is such a crazy movie. It is a great movie. It is just so awesome. I, I Chris, I can't say how awesome this movie is. <laughs> um, and it's just, it, it, all right. So it breaks apart a lot of, it breaks down a lot of the old school Hollywood. It breaks down uh, MGM and it breaks down all these people that were hobnobbing in the Hollywood Hills. It uh, gets a little political it gets into some – it goes everywhere. So, Chris, when the movie first starts off, and if you've probably seen the trailer, at first it seems like this is going to be a boring-ass movie. Okay? Mm. It just seems like it's going <laughs> to be about Herman Mankiewicz. He's an aging alcoholic, and he's writing a script. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a snore fest. <laughs> but let me tell you, this is not your typical – and this is why I'm so jazzed about this movie. This isn't a typical kind of Oscar movie, Oscar bait kind of movie. Mm -hmm. um, and which are movies I don't really go for, which are kind of boring talking head movies. They usually have to deal with, I don't know, someone being beaten down or down, downtrodden and how they rise up or how they get beaten down more. I, I don't know. I kind of don't like those movies. This movie is very light. It clips at a very fast pace. It's very funny. There's a lot. Uh, my God, I didn't know that David Fincher could be this funny. 
and Gary Oldman is acting his ass off. Everyone in this movie is acting their ass off. Chris, high, high, high recommendation. I can't recommend this movie, and I don't want to kind of give away. If you've seen the movie Citizen Kane, it's not necessary. Um, Katie was watching this with me side by side. She was entertained. Great flick. Great flick. And so I don't know if this is heavy enough for to be best picture, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. And when you watch the trailer, you're thinking, this is it. You know what I mean? This is going to be about alcoholism and old school Hollywood and how people people's creative creativeness was like suppressed in the studio system kind of back in the day. But I don't know. It's kind of a jaunt. Almost has like a Coen Brothers type feel to it. Almost like it's kind of there's really funny side characters. There's funny, great, great dialogue. Just you want to just eat this dialogue up. I mean, it is. I don't know. Filmmaking at its best. Chris, you will be entertained. Four stars. Four out of four. Loved it. Loved it, Chris. Nice. And, you know, I am hearing, um, you know, Oscar buzz. Uh, I hear Gary Oldman, you know, obviously for best actor. Um, Amanda Seyfried is getting a lot of buzz now for her she, performance. In yeah, this. she might win on that one. I, really? I think that of anyone, she's going to win. She's going to take it. And, you know, it's funny. You bring up, you know, David Fincher. I mean, this is a director who he's been nominated twice already uh, for an Oscar for best director. He arguably should have won for The Social Network. I will go to my deathbed mm-hmm. saying that he deserved the Oscar more than Tom Hooper for The King's Speech. Um, because let's be honest, which movie do you hold in higher regard years later? Let's, you know, it's not even close. Um, and you're talking about, I think, one of the most interesting and original directors in Hollywood. I mean, he's right up there with, in my mind, with Tarantino and Nolan, where it's like, if he has a movie... It's an event. It's like you're going to go see it. It's David yeah. Fincher. Like you're going to go see this freaking movie. And, um, you know, I can't wait. I can't wait to break this thing down. And I, I just love watching actors doing work that they love being in. And I get this. I get that feeling when I saw the trailer with, with Old Man and Safe Reed. And I, his name escapes me, but the guy from Game of Thrones. Right. Oh, Tywin Landerson. He plays William Randolph Hearst in it. I and, mean, um, he is. He is Chris to say he's phenomenal is like an understatement. And like, I might be just skimming the top of this thing. Cause I don't want to get into it. I feel like everyone should watch this thing and it's, it's fun. It's a fun movie. I actually can't wait to watch it again. Nice. I could see this being like a cult movie, like kind of like a movie Ooh. that, and as a cinephile is kind of like a, a person that's just nerdy about old, old timey movies. I'm in on that kind of aspect. I'm in on the dialogue. I'm in on the acting. Um, and But you know what's really weird, Chris, is, yeah, there's been Oscar buzz, but kind of mixed reviews out there for this movie. Mm. That's what was really curious. And, you know, so before I, you know, get on the pod, I, you know, I watched the movie and then I, like, kind of, like, get my own thoughts about it. And I love this movie. And then I hopped on and it really wasn't as high rated as I thought. And I'm like, well, what? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> This movie or this year's movie picks. I mean, what else do we have? <laughs> there really isn't anything out there for movies. What do people really want? I mean, this movie has it all. And Chris, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. But I think you're gonna you're gonna adore this movie. Love Seriously, it. love it. Yeah, Chris very theatrical. Wait. Very theatrical. Very. I don't know. You could just see this being a play. Actually, it's great. Way to kick things off, dude. Um, yeah, actually, I'm so glad you bring up um, Mank because of you know it's it's on Netflix. Netflix this year is making a serious push 
for Oscar glory. Uh, they've they've been kind of getting it for the past couple of years, but this year it's like you might have, you know, two or three Netflix films um, when it comes to Best Picture nominees by the time the Oscar you know nominations come out um, in January. But um, what I wanted to talk about in a similar vein to streaming networks was the news coming out of Warner Brothers this week uh, in HBO Max. Ben, did you read about this? What? 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 So uh, Warner Brothers has decided to say, screw it. We're not going to even bother releasing movies in the theaters anymore. And oh, they have decided. Yes, I did they, see this. Okay, good. So they're gonna, they've decided to release all their entire 2021 slate of films on HBO Max uh, because they have their partners with HBO. Um, so all their properties will be premiering on HBO Max, not the cinema. So, you know, what, we, what we're getting with uh, Wonder Woman, for instance, was, you know, a simultaneous Christmas Day release where it'll be released in theaters and on HBO Max. But after that, no, they're done with the theaters. They're just going to go straight to HBO Max. Um, and these are, and it's not like they're secondary um, properties. We're talking about their main blockbusters that they were going to put, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, into the promotion. I'm talking about movies like The Suicide Squad, uh, yep. Space Jam sequel, The Conjuring, the new Conjuring movie, the Dune uh, remake, which is going to be huge. The mate, the next Matrix movie, for God's sakes. Um, you know, these are all properties that will be released exclusively onto HBO Max. Um, and I have to be honest with you. I mean, I know that there are people like Christopher Nolan that are slamming this decision saying that like, that's what I read. Yeah. I yeah. Read, that's like how what I an awful decision. Right. And, you know, I gotta be honest with you. My mindset is, look, I get it. I understand why people might be upset, especially in the, within the industry, but it is not safe to be in movie theaters yet. And you cannot keep pushing back these properties uh, and keep pushing and pushing and pushing because they're, they're just going to sit there and collect dust why not release them to the public, make some money off of it, and 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 l allow people to be entertained? Because at the end of the day, that is what it's all about. So I, I I'm not with anybody that says no no no. We need to wait until you know movie theaters can be open back up again because that could probably not be for an entire year at this point. Because you you got to figure the vaccinations probably aren't coming stateside until at least February March. And then it's going to be a whole process after that. You know, it's, it's, I think it's unrealistic to think that we could safely gather in movie theaters by the summer. So we're probably looking at this time next year as potentially being able to do, go back to the movie theaters. So in the meantime, let these people, let people be entertained. Let us enjoy these properties uh, and gather in front of a television or, you know, the home theater sets, setups that we have and just enjoy watching movies again. Ben, what's your take on this? You know, I I dig it. I I really think that, you know, just watching Mank and and I'm definitely going to watch it again. I'm like, now I'm going to be rooting for this movie because I'm going to have multiple views mm. in by the Oscars. And I've heard about other Oscar buzz for other things, but you can't see them yet. There's yep. there's independent movies out there, and they escape my mind right now. But they're all like they've run the circuit, they've done con, they've done all these stuff, but you can't see those flicks until someone picks them up. Or they get released in a small theater. Then you have to wait another eight weeks. I, I think we're done with this. You know what I mean? We've. This is like an. Speaking of old school Hollywood, this is like an old school Hollywood thing that went that should have gone out with video stores. 
You know, mm. I don't know if you remember back in the day, if you messed up a tape, <laughs> you rent something and you messed up that tape, you owed the video store like $200 <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it, it got released to the video store for $200 a pop. And then the video store made their money back and then they released it at $20 a pop. You know, you could buy Wayne's World for 20 bucks or something like that, whatever the hell it was. And so that's all gone. Like that whole, all right, we got this, you know, we have the theatrical release and then this and this. It's like. I think people are realizing because you can make more money when things are just released carte blanche out there. And, you know, I don't know how they adjust for the amount of views or whatever, but like, like Die Hard was like the number one movie of the week last week. You know what I mean? People were watching mm-hmm. Christmas movies. So I don't know, Chris, I, I think they should just release these things. And, you know, I think if you want to have a film festival, they should have a marathon film festival that you have to tune in for one week or something like that. Like this, right. this, the streaming, like Sundance channel, like it's, it's available for one, one week, this, the Sundance film festival. And then if you missed it, all right, then you missed it. You're out, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, man. Love it. Glad, good take. Good take. Yeah. Uh, what else, what else you got, sir? But you know what, Chris, we, we called this man. We called this when toy story and all these things were getting released to Disney plus. We knew this was happening Last summer, we were talking oh, yeah. about this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 2020 just kind of sped things up, which, I don't know. I love going to the movies. I love kind of doing the whole thing, but I don't know. It's it's going away, Chris. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, I hear you, man. All right. Let's, um, I've been doing a little kind of catch up on movies uh, for this year. So, I'm going to get you with a, a twofer. So, Chris, um, I caught a couple flicks. One, first of all. The Christmas Chronicles. Have you seen these movies? With the with the Kurt Russell one? Yeah. I saw the first one. I haven't yeah. had to see the second one yet. All right. So these movies directed by Chris Columbus of, you know, Home Alone fame. Um, Kurt Russell. Uh, the reason why I put this out there is Kurt Russell reportedly wants Santa Claus to be his last role he ever plays. Oh. So he's saying, you know, roles are far and few for, between. He looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> he has that court. I mean... Studly Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> oh hair. He's he got lost in his eyes. Yeah. Oh my God. And it, it, he plays the role great. There's they're really funny. The first one is really funny. The kid <laughs> loved them. I mean, we watched them and then the kid like rewatched them right away. And oh. I was like, I, I had to say, there was like a couple really funny parts. Like it really I like when kid movies they kind of teeter on that. There's some adult stuff in there with kid stuff you know and the first one where santa claus rolls up to i think it's uh nick's bar (laughs) he's like perfect (laughs) and he rolls in and he knows everyone's name and what they wanted for christmas when they were like four that was like so awesome i thought it was hilarious and then uh they show the bartender he's all tatted up and he's like "Uh oh you've been naughty oh my god it was so funny (laughs) i thought it was like legit funny uh second one was pretty good um i could tell that it was filmed during 2020 um, I mean, listen, great flick, great kids movie. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a couple parts where you had Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Goldie Hawn plays, of course, Miss, Mrs. Kringle and Mrs. Claus. And they um, they're in the scene together. And then they're there with the elves, which are all CGI. So they were able to do that because, you know, they're on lockdown together. <laughs> and then they have almost a whole CGI background with a couple other actors. So. 
it actually is a perfect movie to film during quarantine or whatever we're doing in 2020 because mm-hmm. they were able to do it and kind of stay safe. So it's actually like a perfect kind of movie to make, which was really interesting. So I thought they were great flicks. Uh, so we watched those and then, sorry, we're, we're, we're playing a little catch up on 2020 this, this past week. And then finally I caught Bill and Ted's three, uh, Ooh, Bill and Ted okay. fix the music. I thought this movie was hilarious. It kept in the spirit of the first two movies Thought they were really funny. Keanu and uh, Alex Winter were hilarious. You could just tell they're they're friends in real life, and they just had a blast making these movies. Um, I don't know, really funny parts. Thought it was like a a great way to kind of wrap things up, and they had fun with it. So if you're not looking for much, that's available to rent for five bucks. Finally, you don't have to pay twenty bucks. So, um, yeah, recommendations all around. Movie recommendations this week, Chris. Chris, did you check out any movies this week while you were kind of hanging out? Um, no, actually, I, I checked out uh, more TV than anything. Uh, the new season of Big Mouth is on Netflix, um, which is really good. If you've ever gotten into that show, it's hilarious um, and very present in terms of what's going on today with, you know, basically how does how does youth look at things like puberty and sexuality and, and gender? And they do it in just a, such a funny way that really makes you think, but also makes you laugh, which I love. Uh, but going back to your note about Caruso, you know, it's funny you mentioned that he said that this might be the last role he plays. I just looked at his IMDb. With Christmas Chronicles 2, he's done exactly 100 projects. Like, it's at 100. Nothing after Whoa. this. Like, so that could be by design. Like, he saw that this was coming. Is like, oh, I've got, I'm coming up on 100. Psh, I'm done. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's funny, I, I started, as you're talking, I was just starting thinking about Carousel. I'm thinking to myself, is this one of the most underrated, under-rewarded actors of the past 50, 60 years? Oh, um, absolutely. Ab- and absolutely. Like, you could make an argument that it should have been nominated for Hateful Eight. You could make an argument that, uh, you know, when you, even like movies like The Thing, um, you know, obviously, Big Trouble in Little China. That's not an Oscar movie, but I mean, my God, he's, uh, he's it fantastic. Should be. <laughs> it should be. Um, but I mean, he—he's a guy that, and I really, I really had to sit down and think about it. I was like, I've never not liked him in a movie, and that's that's the weird thing about Carousel. Is like, you know, he he might not be in you know phenomenal movies. Like, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say that like Sky High or poseidon or like you know um uh, uh gosh what was his um you know his his roles in the the fast and furious movies were phenomenal right. but like right every time he shows up in something i'm in i'm like oh cool. yeah you get excited yeah like when exactly. he was like like death proof when he did the death proof movie, oh. i was like hell yeah let's go Stuntman um, you know like when he's literally in like three seconds of once upon a time in hollywood i'm and i'm like perfect like mm-hmm. You know, so I, I do feel it's like, man, this guy never, I mean, he got nominated for, for a Golden Globe, like in the 1970s. He has a Hollywood walk, you know, star on the Walk of Fame. But man, it's like this guy, I just feel like, you know, he just never got his due. And, uh, you know, if, if this is his last role, uh, you know, what an incredible legacy. But I, I really hope it's not. Cause I really like it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm with you, Chris. You know, and, and we talk about all types of different actors. You know, there's a the kind of movie actors that are in a couple like kind of crazy big oscar movies and then there's a couple actors that are in like b movies but then there's actors that just are working actors 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Actors mm-hmm. that just find work and do work. And Russell has just worked. You know, think of like in the 90s when he was doing, I mean, it wasn't straight to video, but there was a movie called Breakdown with uh, J.T. Walsh. Great little action flick. I mean, he's always just been in great movies. I mean, and then you can think of like the height of his powers, like with like Tango and Cash and, you know, Big Trouble and Little China and like Tombstone and like Tombstone. Oh, my God. Tombstone. He actually I mean, he directed a lot of that, too. It wasn't just the guy from Cobra directing that. (laughs) He actually directed that. And, you know, it's such a weird thing is I think, you know. Maybe we're appreciating it more in 2020, in 2020 land, now that we're not getting any movies, you know, because when those movies came out, they were kind of considered B movies. You know, The Thing is one of my all-time favorite movies, and it's just a crime that that was overlooked and and bombed in the box office and got, like, panned by critics. And now (laughs) it's, like, on everyone's top ten list for, like, greatest horror movies of all time. And so – and then Tombstone – I mean, that that has gone down since that's release. It's gone down as one of the best Westerns of all time right. and has really held up like pr- pr- terrifically. I bought that on Voodoo for like five bucks not too long ago and rewatched it. And oh, my God, it's it's better than I remember. I think it's aged better. Mm. You know, at the at the time, you know, there was a couple questionable casting calls in there. <laughs> a little Jason Priestley <laughs> here and there. But. You know what? It's good to see him. And it's not really big roles, not too distracting. I'm like, ah, this is a great flick. And it's just now, Chris, it's the difference between a flick and a film. And I think Kurt Russell just likes making flicks. You yeah. know what I mean? He just likes making fun, awesome movies that people like to go watch and watch over and over again. And so it's kind of like a, a bummer that he got penalized for doing that. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, and, you know, that's the one thing I appreciated about him being in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that if you look at his early years, he did all that stuff. So, like, all those little bit parts on TV, um, like, he, you know, he started out, you know, obviously in the the Disney, you know, live Computer action. Computer with thing. tennis shoes. Yeah, all that stuff. And then he kind of got away from that and, you know, was stuck on TV for a while. But, um, my God, like, just what an incredible career. The guy's turning 70 this year, which is, like... He looks amazing for 70. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, when you when you scroll down again, you know, Sky High, not a great movie, but he's fantastic in it. So again, like much love to Kurt Russell. Whatever he wants to do, he's earned it. Go watch Escape from New York. It's an incredible film. Um, it's a yeah. film. That is a yeah. film. Film. Um, <laughs> that end. So awesome, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, um, so for my number two this week. Uh, real quick, um, I did this, uh, wrote this story today. I just want to make made people aware. You know, there's, there's, you know, a lot of people have said that Broadway fans are some of the most devoted, caring fans um, out there. And I, I agree with that 100%. They will ride and die uh, with their favorite musicals and everybody who's associated with it. And uh, this week we saw further proof of that where uh, a stage doorman who works on a Broadway theater in New York, the Broadhurst Theater, which currently houses uh, the Alanis Morissette musical Jagged Little Pill, um, sadly was hospitalized um, and and went through a number of uh, medical procedures and things like that. And of course, because of COVID and, you know, none of these people working like he is, he is on his own. So like things like insurance, um, forget about it. Like it's just, it's, it's right. terrible. Um, so he posted something on his Facebook page, not looking for charity, mind you, but just you know, letting people know, you know that he's okay and 
and whatnot, but it caught the eye of a bunch of people that uh, are fans of that show that he works for, and they have rallied together to basically start a huge fundraiser uh, for him. Uh, initially, they did just a real quick, you know, Venmo, send us, you know, you know, $10, $15, whatever you can, raised a, a pool, you know, $1,000 that they just gave to the guy immediately. But then one of them said, well, why don't we, why don't we try to keep this going? And they started a GoFundMe uh, fundraiser, which as of uh, this morning was at $5,000. Uh, and I just, I just hit refresh on my computer and now it's at $8,000. Um, and uh, it's all being raised. We did a piece on it uh, just to, you know, get the word out there. And on stage blog also, you know, we were more than happy to help donate. Uh, we donated like $200 to him as well. Oh, that's sweet. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people, you know, they forget about these folks. They just think that Broadway performers, musicians, stagehands are, are the ones suffering, but they forget about the actual people that are the staffs of these theaters. And, uh, they're going through it just as worse as, as everybody else. So uh, the guy's name is Mr. Ernest Taylor. Um, and there is a GoFundMe going on right now. And, you know, obviously if you're a long time listener and you want it and, you know, obviously get, you know, this is the, this is the season of giving. Uh, if you want to give to someone and, you know, obviously help them out, um, I will go ahead and, you know, put the, the link to the GoFundMe uh, in the description of this podcast. But um, just a really cool story about how just the Broadway community really uniting and rallying for um, this guy and, and the people that have donated, it's not just fans, it's, you know, uh, fellow Broadway actors from other shows, producers, directors. Um, it's been awesome to see how, how much money is being raised for this guy. So um, like I said, I'll put that link in the, in the, the description. Uh, so if anybody listening to this wants to help out, obviously we'd love it as well. Oh, Chris, I love stories like that. I love when the internet wins. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's not just like people trolling each other or something. That's a good, it's always a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, man, what's your number three? All right, dude. All right. We're going to do something a little different this week. I need you to look up something, okay. an article, okay? All right. All right. All right. I want uh, Sp- a Spin Magazine, the be- 35 best albums of the last 35 years. What? Yeah. Okay. So if okay. you just Google spin 35 best albums of the last 35 years. Chicago. Got it. Got right. it. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so, you know, we're in 2020 and I think a lot of people are going back and, and doing lists. You know, I talked about how the Rolling Stone had their top 500 albums of all time. This one was a little smaller in scope. And I'm really curious what you thought of this, this list, Chris. So 35 best albums of the last 35 years, pretty specific. So that would mm-hmm. be 1985. So... <laughs> <laughs> there is some interesting choices on here. It starts with Tunnel of Love 87. Um it starts Mars Volta. Um it goes uh Appetite for Destruction, Katie Lang. Um I, I just got to Enya at 23 above yeah. Outcast. What what? <laughs> Kendrick Lamar is on here. Uh Radiohead's on here a couple times. REM Automatic for the people, which is I mean Chris, I don't know the last time you heard that album, but I have that on vinyl. I just got it on vinyl. My God, it's great. Um, but it, this list goes everywhere. Outcast, Modest Mouse, um, Eminem. Enya. Yeah. <laughs> how is I don't understand how Enya's on this list. That's just I have that album. Okay. I, okay. I've listened All to right. it through and through. Um, I don't get it. Wow. Straight out of Compton, number sixteen. Yeah. Kate Bush getting some love. Okay, I dig it. I'm there. Yeah. 
So Tracy by Peter Chapman. Gabriel, Tracy Chapman. All right, so here's the top ten. Yeah. Um, Le Mystery de Vo- oh, All right. That let me let me talk about that one. Okay. Please. So that is what so. Is I was like, yeah. So I love these lists, and then you come across something that's like, what is this? What is this thing? And so this is the mystery of the voices of Bulgaria. I think that's the translation, Le Mystery de Voix de Bulgaris. Um, <laughs> and so it's a female vocal choir. And they, dude, this stuff is trip out. You got to listen to this on Spotify. That one okay. is, yeah, I played that and I sent it to my uh, neighbor, Ryan. And he's like, what is this stuff? And then it said um, musicians like Jerry Garcia, David Bowie, and Linda Ronstadt and Kate Bush were bestowed with it and echoed sentiments like Graham Nash's every musician should rethink everything he knows about singing after listening Whoa. to this. Okay. Yeah. It, and when you hear it, it's definitely important. It's definitely some wild stuff. But uh, keep going with the list, Chris. Keep going. All right. So number nine, Tori Amos, Little Earthquakes. Okay. Here's the thing. That's a great album. Mm. It's her It's her best album by far. It's not even close. Is it the ninth best album of the past 35? Is it above The Chronic by Dr. Dre? Is it above Metallica's Metallica? Absolutely not. So I don't know how it landed number nine. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I know music is subjective. It, right. Right. But and, I mean. But it start, this. I mean, these lists drive me nuts. And, and I don't let's know. Be honest, I'm always I mean. Drunk. I, any website out there, if they just want hits from me, if they think you know I'm a good demographic for them or whatever, just start coming up with lists. And I can't – I'm like drawn to it like a moth to flame. I have to read right. this thing. Um, okay, Madonna, Like a Prayer, number eight. Well, it's a good, it's, it's her here, good, it's a good the, album. Okay. Here's the deal. Uh, the Rolling Stone list. And you know I talked a little bit about it on the pod. Freaking uh, – it was a good list. But then they would have best ofs on the list. Mm-hmm. They had the Immaculate uh, Collection by Madonna, but then they'd also have another Madonna album on there. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. So, like, if you could do best ofs, wouldn't you just have everyone's best ofs on this list? It was so silly. Um, so at least they picked an album, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's it it's her again. It's her best album. Is it the eighth best album? I don't I don't know. But again, I think if you're if you're factoring in like cultural impact mm-hmm. okay then you can make a case for it okay all right i'll if that's if that's one of their criteria i get it all right number right. seven now i want to i want to preface i have not looked beyond number seven so i have no idea what oh, six five four three yeah seven. great because 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 you're, 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 you're right with cultural cultural impact because it starts with tunnel of love by bruce springsteen and you're <laughs> like all right well you can't do born in the usa i think that's 84 so it's before the list you're like all right you know what i mean like right okay all right. All right. So number seven, you two, the Joshua Tree. Okay, I agree. Yep. Great album. Yeah. Um, number six, Nirvana. Never mind. Yeah. Great. That's gotta be up there. Number five, ooh, Public Enemy. Yep. Takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Un- unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable Bring the noise. album. Bring the noise with Anthrax. <laughs> Bring the noise. I freaking love like, that song. If people want to listen to something and just have their jaw on the floor from top to bottom, that's an album to do it. Oh my god! Wait, number four, Sinead O'Connor. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. I don't even I, think it's the one with nothing. It's not even the one with. Yes. 
Because that one came out in like 90, right? That's when she was on SNL, right? Yeah, that's right. This is, is this her debut? I guess. I guess I have to go back and listen to this. So Yeah, it says it's her first record that filtered into our consciousness. What? Stop it. <laughs> who wrote this? You know who wrote, you know you know someone who wrote this was from Ireland. And I was like, <laughs> I gotta I gotta make sure that some Celtic Enya and Sinead are like high on this list. You know what? I'd even put the cranberries before Sinead. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're going to Ireland. <laughs> Number four. Come on. <laughs> I, I knew this was going to drive me nuts. And you know what? I, I, I don't know how you go from public enemy to that, but okay. Like, or anything from the 2010s, like Kendrick Lamar's last album, for God's sake. Like, oh, damn. Yeah. It's a great album. Yeah. Like, I mean, even though I can't stand them, but like Kanye West's, um, you know, the graduation album. Right. Um, everyone, yeah. Culturally, everyone loves that album. Uh, I don't. Uh, Miseducational Lauren Hill? I don't see it here. Mm-mm. Anyway. All right. Number three. Here we go. Smashing Pumpkin Siamese Dream. Hmm. Suspect, huh? It's not their best album, but no. huh? What would be their best album? The the Melancholy of the Infinite. Yeah, Sons. yeah. That that was my pick. But Sorry. this is like this is their date. This is kind of the one with the the today song and like. Yeah, I mean, I love that song. That's a but then song. it doesn't even have. Um, Oh, it's not even their debut though. Their debut has a great song on it too. I mean, I, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't. That's like, it's a weird pick. It's a that's weird like, pick. That's like, like, like I, I, Chris, Chris, what would you say? All right, before we even get down there, like, what would you say? Last thirty-five years, what's like an album? Just a personal album for you? Oh, God, that you haven't seen on this list. Like, I have a couple. I have a bunch. What am I talking? A couple. Like, like, I mean, Beyonce's Lemonade album, David Bowie Black Star, Audio Slave, um, Audio Slave, Audio Slave, uh, freaking um, Kamasi Washington. Kamasi Washington. But you know, God, Scissors album uh, that came out in 2017. I can't remember the name of it. That was phenomenal. I mean. Hell, Taylor Swift's 1989 that came out a couple of years ago. Right. That's a phenomenal album. Um, Daft Punk. I don't see Daft Punk's Random Access. Oh, Daft Access Punk. Here. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, Daft Punk, uh, Random Access Memories. Yeah, it would be. Uh, I'm trying to think what else was. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Um, Jay-Z's. I, I Weezer Blue album. Yep. Yep. I mean, um, that might be a little personal pick, but I don't think so. I don't think I'm going out on a limb. I don't. I think there's a lot of Weezer heads out there that would, you know, right. I mean, die. like Weezer's uh, not Weezer. Uh, Green Day's Dookie. Yeah, that's a great album. Um, God, <laughs> Automatic for the People. REM. Like we're that's oh on here. God. That's on here. That's oh, it on. is. Oh, that's right. Okay, uh, dude, Enter the Wu Tang. Where's that? Oh. Oh, Wu Tang or um, the Pixies too. Pixies, no Pixies, Illmatic from Nas. Like, forget it. Like, we're oh god, what is? And there's or only any of the Wu Tang guys. You got like right? the, you got like the Ghostface Killer album. You got like Jizza. Uh, 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 oh my god, you... <laughs> Jagged. I mean, Jagged Little Pill, Lost Merced, the Fuji's the score. Um, and then you Pro- know, I, I'm not a giant hard rock fan, but there's a billion hard rock albums. How about uh? 
How about uh, System of a Down? How about System Toxicity? Oh. Toxicity. Yep. The album's huge. The album's popular, and there's not an album that sounds like that. Like, for just sonically, like, making music sound like them for the next, mm-hmm. like, 10 years, like, new metal... Or Rage Against the Machine, Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> Check your head, Beastie Boys. Like, come on. Uh, like, what? All the Beastie Boys? All the Beastie Boys? All the Beastie Boys are after 1985. You could literally put any one of uh, Ill Communication. Oh, God. License to Ill would probably be, yeah. All right. Well, let's get to number two because I can't. Okay. I'm going to start. My head's going to explode. Um, Prince, Sign of the Times. Okay. I, um, hmm. I don't get, you know, that was one I had to go listen to because I, I don't really re- know this album. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know what this is? What, this is what? like someone trying to be smart and right. being like, I'm going to pick an obscure album by Prince um, that, you know, is not even considered like, you know, one of his best albums. Like even the one, even the one from the nineties was really good. With diamonds no. and pearls on it, oh, the yeah. one where he was the symbol. Yeah, I mean, the, that's the a symbol great album. album. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. symbol album. It's a great album. <laughs> they had like three hits off there that was on MTV. I remember distinctly those being on there, and <laughs> I, I don't get. It. I mean, I think they. You know what I think? What happened is I think they they wanted to put like Purple Rain there because that was '84, and they were like, oh, it's 35 years. We can't. <laughs> We can't, we can't put purple rain, so let's pick another one that's pretty obscure. This is them just. This is someone just trying to be cool and be like, "I picked an obscure Prince album, but you know, it really should be the Love Symbol album because that was freaking fantastic." Or even Musicology, which which is a really good album too. I, I this list is. Uh, I don't get it now. Okay, Ben. Okay. Here, here's the. This is. I do not. I, I swear to God, I have no idea what number one is, but I okay. haven't seen it in the top ten. But I'm willing to bet. I, I'm gonna bet my mortgage. <laughs> I know what number one is because it is the most, and I'm going to, this might be a hot take. It's the most overrated album of all time because everybody constantly puts it at number one. I'm going to say it's okay. Computer by radio. <laughs> Are you serious? You didn't see it. It is. No, I it is. No okay computer. Isn't it? Yep. There it is. Yep. Yeah. Now, why would you say it's overrated? That was like actually the one pick on the list that I was like, Oh, all right. I can get behind that. It's a good album. Yeah, it's it's their best album. Okay, is it? Do I think it's better than like every other piece of music or album or even just a collection of music? No, I really don't. I mean, Karma Police is a great song. Uh, they have you know, climbing up the walls, great song. But it's like, I can't, I can't. It's it's like I saw this when this came out in was it nineteen ninety seven? There it is. I remember, I remember. When I think it was either Billboard or um, Rolling Stone or somebody put this as the best album of the decade of the 90s. And I was like, you got to be like, I'm a high school senior. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, that's not, forget it. Like, you're going to tell me this is the best album. Um, And ever since then, I've constantly seen it at like number one or close to number one, like, you know, rock albums and stuff like that. I'm just like, I've never. I've never seen the appeal, and I like Radiohead. I'm not, I'm not right. a, a huge right. fan, but I definitely, I, th- I think they're a great band. I see the appeal. Um, like, I think it's, I think it's audio art, if that, if that makes sense when you're listening to it. But yeah, I just, I've never gotten behind why this album is is so highly regarded over everything else that came out <laughs> in in its era. I mean, 
I, I would put Pearl Jam's 10 above. Not on the list. <laughs> Not even on the list. <laughs> they went versus, which is an interesting pick. I mean, that's, again, that's someone trying to, that's someone trying to yeah. be cool. That's someone yeah. definitely trying to be cool. Um, like, I, this is going to sound, I'm probably going to get like a lot of hate for this, but like, like, I think definitely maybe Oasis's album, that, that huge album oh, they had in the 90s, yeah. that's a better put together album, album. than yeah. OK Computer. Like, um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Well, you know, oh, no Hot Chili Peppers on this list. And no every, Chili Peppers whatsoever. Literally from 85 on, I think you could actually, every single one of their albums is up for a uh, pick. <laughs> now, here's, now I, I went back and I, I, I've got a grudge here because you're going to tell me that Enya, Enya, uh, a, a, an album that has maybe like six lyrics in the entire album that I listen to to do either work or fall asleep or, you know, uh, calm my dog down. That is what I use that album for. Um, that that's a better album than Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Forget it. It's a better um, album than Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. <laughs> Not even close. Well, and then also, so I don't know if you noticed, so on number 33, they picked this guy or these people, Sigur Ross, which is an Icelandic. Sigur Ross made a seismic shift with his album evolving from disjointed ambiance. You you can't tell me that that's, you're telling me that's better than Bjork, who didn't make the list. (laughs) If you're going to pick someone from Iceland. You went. You went a little. <laughs> oh, who's the best Icelandic singer of all time? Oh, I know who you're gonna say. It's Signor Ross. <laughs> oh my God! They put automatic for the people at 26. <laughs> Outcast is below Enya. Are you? Oh my God! And you know what? This is this is what I hate about these freaking articles. They don't put the names of the people. No, because they'd be like they'd be like threatened on the internet. They're, yeah, because they're in hiding. They're like, oh, we don't want to. You know, hey, you know. Thanks, Jim, for your Enya take. Uh, you yeah, know, they're not gonna yeah, hot take, hot Enya take coming in. Sail away is is you know better than Man on the Moon. I for I you know what a oh god these lists. I I I don't I don't. Oh no, they they do have their names underneath. Um, oh yeah, and so yeah they do. Oh like no, their... it's just his initials R R. So I have no idea who R yeah. R is. Screw that dude uh, or gal or whoever they are. <sighs> Ben, you've just stressed me out. And uh, ra- I mean, okay, I love Radiohead, but if you're only going to do 35 albums for the 35 years, why are they appearing on this list twice? Like, you know, there's there's a multitude of different artists that you could put on this list. Why Radiohead is not so good that they trump every other musical act over the past 35 I years. Just, you know, we're coming up, you know, for the kids at home, we're coming up on our list, our best of the year. Yep. And I just wanted to <laughs> remind you not to screw it up. <laughs> oh, well, thank God I'm only making one pick. Uh, oh, that. my God. I know. I don't know. But I'll, I'll make sure to pick freaking Enya at the top. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. Isn't Lord of the Rings your favorite, one of your favorite jams of all time? Isn't she it, on the soundtrack? <laughs> she does, Yeah, but then, like, she's gone. Like, she does one song and then she's gone. I don't, she's not there for the entire, like, but you know, this is a good example. Like if, if like with someone picking the, the Prince album, it's like, what's your favorite Lord of the Rings movie of all time? Actually, it's the 1967 animated version that aired on TV. <laughs> like, shut up. 
<laughs> You're just trying to be cool. Like, uh, <laughs> I hate these people so much that do this. Oh, you know, right. like, and that's and that's what the internet is, right? It's it's not, you know. Listen, I, I like to consider, consider myself a nerd, right? I'm not a geek. Mm-hmm. I'm a nerd. Okay, mm-hmm. giant nerd. I know I know stuff about stuff. Okay, I know things. And every once in a while, Chris, I don't know if this happens to you. It probably happens in the theater world. You know, listen, I'm a theater major. I know enough about theater just to get by. I don't know about like theater trivial pursuit or anything like that. But I know I know theater stuff. I know the big names. I know Tennessee Williams. Yeah, I know stuff, but you know, it, as in anything, whether it be film, whether it be music, whether it be, there's always these one upper people. There's always these mm-hmm. people that you're like, oh, you know, uh, you know, a movie's great is uh, George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead, and they're like, oh, that's pretty good. But have you ever seen? And then they'll just list obscure zombie movie from the fifties, and you're like, yeah, I guess I've seen it. Yeah, well, that's actually better than Dawn of the Dead, and you're like. What? Dawn, Dawn? The Dawn of the Dead? It's better than that? Well, yeah, it is. And you really should go back and really take a look at it. You know, these people just drive me nuts. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That happens in the theater world, right? It, it does. Oh, of course. Well, you yeah. know, what happens is it's like you tell you say you tell someone that you played a role in a certain show, and of course that person did the same role and did it better than you. So it's oh, like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah theater, I, I, and, and you know what, theater, it's it's worse because there's no proof, so it's just ultra subjective, so you can't even go oh, back yeah. and watch the movie. It's like, yeah, it was a good performance, or yeah, that, oh, you ever seen this play? It ran for one week off-Broadway. No, I didn't get yeah. to see that. Well, it was the greatest of all time. Oh, yeah, I bet it was. <laughs> well, or, like, what they'll do is, they'll, like, if they play the same role as you, they'll ask you, like, did you feel the same emotion saying this line? Because if you didn't, you weren't doing the role right. I'm like, what? For <laughs> you. I'm sorry I didn't feel like the deflection in my heart when I said yeah. the, you know this word that you did. Oh God, I hate people so much, and they're always white. By the way, they're always white. <laughs> oh, people that say that. Yeah. Did you have the inflection in your heart? That's always a white guy saying that. It's always a white person saying it. So screw those people. Because <laughs> <laughs> us Asians and Black people and Latino. We don't we don't care about that bullshit. Like you well, yeah, you got other stuff to worry about. We got other stuff to worry about. Jeez. Oh man, thanks for getting me on these rants. I love it. Oh yeah, I love no it. problem. I love it. it was you know what the podcast. It was going a little. We were clipping along at too fast of a rate. We had to slow right. things down. By the way, folks, tune in next week where we do our top thirty-five movies. Best thirty-five. <laughs> 35 yes. Oh, uh, you ever seen? Uh, Hayden Christensen's first film before <laughs> episode two. I prefer the glass. Was it Glass House that he did between the Star Wars? Movies? <laughs> oh, Listen, man. by the way, we're going through Star Wars chronologically, and not a hot take. He is just oh, brutal. he's just not. He's not good. He's not good. That's another. That's another podcast for another time. We'll every said every time he says "master" to you and McGregor, I just want to punch myself in the face. <laughs> oh, yes, master. Just just until like, get to his uh, monologue about sand, and then it's oh, like, it's yeah. of course, it's all over the place. <laughs> all right. Anyway, anyway, what do you got for number oh, three? Oh man. All right. Well, another good uh, feel feel good story, I guess, out of the theater world. Uh, ben, are you are you on the TikTok? You, do you do I am the on the TikTok. Are you? TikTok. Okay. Yeah. So one of the cool features about TikTok is the ability to uh, duet with people. 
like some per, uh, person on the like left side will play a song and then you know whoever wants to fill in on the right can sing along with that person playing and it almost looks like you know it's a you know joined effort so to speak but um this young man had a genius idea about a month ago and said look i want to do a like a fan created musical version of the pixar movie ratatouille and um basically he's a songwriter so he just wrote one song he's like okay here's one verse and one chorus of a song that would work perfect for the movie ratatouille and what happened was this took off like wildfire and you had all these young artists and aspiring songwriters and theater students things like that contributing to basically create this musical and so now you can go on tiktok and just look up hashtag like ratatouille the musical and you can almost watch the entire show like there's not there's musical numbers for almost every single scene in the movie there's choreography like people actually recorded dances and themselves doing dances to the, the, the songs like uh kids that want to be set designers actually design sets and costumes oh, that's and cool, man. That's really lighting cool. um uh, playbill got involved and actually designed a playbill cover for this thing um a, a producer who happens to be a gigantic douchebag by the name of ken devonport i don't mind saying that on the on the air huh. um i said like oh i'd love to produce this someday and everybody was like no uh you're it's like wait way to take something fun and ruin it with your insert of your ego but anyway again another podcast for another time but uh <laughs> Man, I did um, get you fired up, huh? Yeah, screw you, Ken Davenport. Anyway, <laughs> um, but it's it's an awesome thing. And now um, what's going to happen next month is they're actually going to do a, a concert of this musical, fully produced, um, to raise money for the Actors Fund. And um, so now people who, who love this piece uh, are going to, you know, be able to kind of see it live, which I think is pretty awesome. It's it just in a concert version, but um, it's it's just another example of ingenuity in in Zoom and in, in this this quarantine you know era that we're living in, where people are just literally just sitting around their house playing instruments, writing songs, writing musicals. It, I think it's great now that it's gotten to this like I guess point of popularity. People are starting to kind of hate on it now and be like, okay, it's you know. Now it's gone too far and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, forget it. Like whatever people need to do to create things, to make them happy, to improve mental health, do it. Why not? Write songs in your basement. Like why not write a fictional musical about a, a random cartoon or something like that? Do it. And then, you know, it's good practice for yourself for later on. So right. um, check it out. If you have, if you've, if you've never seen this, it's awesome. The, the songs honestly are legitimately good. Like I, I sat and listened to him like, yeah, that's a legitimately good musical theater song. Um, so I'll be interested to see where this goes some days. I mean, who knows if Disney actually says, you know what, maybe we should do something with this. Um, it's good. I mean, it's Ratatouille. So it's a weird property to pick, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's pretty interesting. That is all. Awesome. I love, I love stuff like that, man. Internet win. You got some internet wins on your thing. There it is. Well, let's go. Let's talk about internet wins. Let's go YouTube in this. Yeah, baby, I got some stuff for YouTube. And you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll go first because I only got one thing, right. and it's 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 big, but it's it's something I'm mm. proud about. So Ben, I was taking the sh a shower the other day, and <laughs> okay. um, you, know, you had your phone in the shower watching I had YouTube. My phone like, in the shower watching YouTube, <laughs> like I always no. Um, so I went to go turn the shower off, and my the knob turned off, but the water kept coming out of the shower. 
Uh-oh. So I'm like, wait, what the heck happened? So I'm like toggling this, the the thing, and I'm like, what is what is happening? And um, what you know, I could have panicked. I could have you know called a plumber and be like, oh my god, get over my house right now. But you know what I did? I whipped out my phone. I went on the YouTube. I just looked. I just literally typed in, I can't turn my shower off. And sure enough, like the exact problem I was having was the first option video that came up. And it showed me what I needed to do, how to fix it, um, the fact that I don't need to call a plumber to do this, uh, what parts I needed. It was like an eight-minute video, but it it every step worked perfectly. And oh. I am not I am not Mister Fix It. Like if people, if you knew me, uh, you know I'm the type of guy that would call someone and hire them to come do that work because I'm just not that type of person. This is really one of the few times I've actually done stuff like this. Um, but I, you know, I went out to Home Depot. I got exactly what I needed to do. Came right back. Within an hour, it's done, and it works better than it's ever had has before. So my point is, um, this is why I love YouTube because, like I said, if you have just issues around your house, fix it. Things no need to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars um, hiring people. Sometimes you can sometimes just find the answers that you need. By, by just looking up YouTube. So for those of you who put these videos out there, these handymen who know how to do things and, and put them on for all to see, thank you because you saved me um, a ton of time, a ton of money, uh, and a ton of stress. So there you go. Yeah. You know what, Chris? I, here, here. I love those things. I mean, it helped me out big time when I was uh, replacing my garbage disposal. Mm which is something I would never want to do or even thought I could do it. And the guy at Lowe's was like, yeah, here's the unit. Uh, this is, you know, they're all one size fits all. So just go do it. And I was like, all right. And man, YouTube, I rock that thing. So I, mm. I love that. But uh, speaking of that, Chris, this is totally off the cuff. But um, so we were locked in the house for the past week or so up here, up north. Uh, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, so, and we're sitting here watching TV as we do. And all of a sudden we heard this giant bang out in the garage. And so we have an automatic door opener out there. And the spring or the wire that was holding the spring totally rusted and snapped. And the spring shot off like a cannon. (laughs) Now I have a broken garage door. So I got to figure out how to do that. So uh, that is scary. But there is no Mm. YouTube fix for that. (laughs) No, no. Unbelievable. So what do you got for um, for, uh, YouTube this week? All right, Chris, I got three, and these are big ones. You're going to dig all these, okay? First of all, um, Hats Off Entertainment, that's the name of the channel, 17-minute video about the lost version of planes, trains, and automobiles. Hmm. Apparently, when the original cut came in, it was three and a half hours long. Holy crap. Yeah. And this guy goes through, uses like some footage that you get to see in the trailer. You get to see some stills from production and he breaks down and you can actually read the actual screenplay. He reads along and breaks down the scenes that they cut. This movie was going to be an epic, epic movie. (laughs) It was going to be crazy. So that's my first one. Second one is Cinemasker. Uh, Chris, do you know who that is? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's the video game angry video game nerd so usually um so he's he's branched off into a little more he'll do like movie reviews he'll do like video game reviews on his own with his buddies and stuff this one was really interesting just came out re-editing kill bill so it's 23 minute 
video, he talks about how he re-edited parts one and two of Kill Bill into a two and a half hour movie. And he believes it's a better movie. So now, Chris, I don't know what your thoughts are on Kill Bill, um, the Tarantino flick, but I always thought something was off. And, you know, I love playing with time. I love readjusting time as Tarantino does with Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction or Jackie Brown. I always love that stuff, but I always thought that they kind of like blew their load on the crazy 88 battle at the end of first Kill Bill. So when you went to see the second Kill Bill, I mean, I know it's a different movie. I know that it's more dialogue driven and more drama. But I I mean, after seeing one of the greatest sword fights of all time on film, it's kind of like outdid itself. So he had the kind of the same thoughts and he re-edits it. it. He goes through it in 23 minutes and just shows you how it's really possible. So great flick. Those are great ones. But my last, my big pick of the week This is from Dark Corner Reviews. That's the name of the channel. It's called the Top 10 Lost Films Ever. So these are lost kind of silent films from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Things that are just gone forever. And all we have are posters, maybe little clips here and there, and little production photos. And he goes through his top 10. It is a fascinating video. It's 29 minutes. He goes through the history of like Lon Chaney lost films, F.W. Murnau lost films, all these kind of crazy Fritz Lang lost films. It just keeps going and going, going. So if you're a a cinephile like me, get into that video. That's my pick of the week. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Wow. We zipped through that. Um, Yeah. I want to go. Well, it's good because I got to go listen to some Enya. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Got to go to fall asleep. Um, (laughs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Good stuff. Ben, um, happy holidays to you, my friend. Yes. You too, sir. And happy holidays uh, to everybody. Are we doing our picks next week? Next week will be our, our you know final episode of 2020, I guess. And we're gonna do our year-end uh, best ofs in you know multitude of different categories. We're gonna surprise you. We're gonna we're not gonna tell you what categories we're doing ahead of time. You'll have to find out. Um, but it'll be awesome. And you you can bet your bottom dollar that um, Enya and some Gregorian chants will be included. So. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.